welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Conversations presented by SAP. The best run business is run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game changing technologies and business strategies to challenge the status quo and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. Those of you who've been listening for a while, that could be a couple of years to Game Changers Radio. When I say four welcomes, that means, yes, we have four people on the panel. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from Ginny Rometty. I think that's how she pronounces her name. You might say Romety, R-O-M-E-T-T-Y. Young lady born in 1957. She is the first woman to head the company known as IBM. She's been the president and CEO and current chair since January. 2012. Uh, She has been named among the 50 most influential people in the world, and Fortune named her among the 50 most powerful women in business since 2005. So I think it's worth listening to her words of wisdom. Here we go. Quote, some people call this artificial intelligence, but the reality is this technology will enhance us. So instead of artificial intelligence, I think we'll augment our intelligence. Okay, those of you doubters out there who think AI is going to take over, well, it supposedly is going to help us more than hurt us. So let's do a little more background here. When humans and computers work together, and that's what we're talking about, they can do amazing things that neither could do alone. Let's just embrace that. For example, Let's talk about design jobs. Most design jobs today are defined by a lot of qualifications. Creative and social intelligence. Who do you know who has both? Requiring empathy, problem framing, creative problem solving, negotiation, and persuasion. Who do you know who has all of those qualifications? Well, with a boost from AI, non-designers, that could be you and me, it could be my panelists, although we do have one expert designer on the panel, at least today, they can develop these skills. What does this mean? In the future, everyone can and will be a designer. The impact, according to a Harvard Business Review article in 2016, AI will redefine business management, advising managers to act more like designers. We have a panel packed with experts today, and they're going to help us figure out what does this all mean to you, to your company, the people you know, to your business, your industry, and the world. Let me tell you quickly who they are, and then we will get started with their opening quotes. First up, welcoming back one of our very favorite futurist. It's Frank Diana, Managing Partner and Futurist at TCS. Next up on the panel is a newcomer, Ian Gertler, G-E-R-T-L-E-R, founder and CEO, CMO, got to get that right, at Ian, pronounce the name of your company for me, please. <laughs> it's called Simplegades. Simplegades, never would have known. S-Y-M-P-L-E-G-A-D-E-S. Thank you very much. Another newcomer is Masha Kroll, K-R-O-L. She is an experienced designer at Element AI. We'll be learning what she does. And rounding out the panel is another returning guest, Maricel Kabahug. New title for her, the Chief Design Officer and Senior VP Global Head of Design UX and Fiori Product Manager. That's a long business card, Maricel, at SAP. So welcome back, Frank and Maricel, and welcome to newcomers, Ian and Masha. Let's start off with a quote Frank Diana has provided from Joseph E. I'm going to say Aon, A-O-U-N. He wrote a book called Robot Proof, Higher Education in the Age of Artificial Intelligence. Uh, let's see here. He is the president of Northeastern University, and his book proposes a way to educate the next generation of college students to invent, 
to create, and to discover, to fill needs in society that even the most intelligent, sophisticated artificial intelligence agent cannot. Ah, interesting. So here's the quote. I believe that college should shape students into professionals, but also creators. Creation will be at the base of economic activity and also much of what human beings do in the future. Frank, Diana, what took you so long to come back? I think you were on a show with me two weeks ago. How are you, Frank? (laughs) I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back again. Delighted. Talk to me about this. I know that, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Aeon or Aeon? How do you say it? Yeah, I think it's Aeon. Aeon. And do you know that he is called a theoretical syntactician? S-Y-N-T-A-C-T-I-C-I-A-N. I don't even know what that is. It sounds like a made-up job title. So tell me something. What does this have to do with our topic today? And officially, I must say, our topic is AI, Designing the Future of Humanity. I think we covered all in that title. Go ahead, Frank. Well, I think it covers two key points in terms of the topic today. One is obviously the creativity and where that's all going in the context of how we differentiate ourselves against machines. But more importantly, I think it, it really focuses in on the challenge of for society in the next decade plus, and that is education and how we reskill society, how we focus education on uh, developing creators and innovators and using the imagination that is really us uniquely human. Uh, for the the kind of positive gains that I think we can all drive into society. So I think it it focuses on two very key things, creativity and education. Frank, do you agree with with the opening quote I have from Ginny Romady that it will, artificial intelligence will enhance our intelligence and also with part of my opening monologue that we will all become designers if we use AI the right way? What do you think? I think um, it's too early to predict the outcome here because it can go either way. There are so many that believe that artificial intelligence will replace us, and obviously there are those that believe it will help us focus on on the creative side of our brains so we won't focus on all those tasks that no longer are necessary because machines do them, and it opens up uh, the innovation in the next 10, 20 years because we focus creatively. So uh, it could go either way, and I think anybody that really predicts at this stage is really speculating. Thank you, and I take that with a lot of validity because you are, as I said in the opening, one of my favorite futurists. So there, thank you, Frank. Welcome back. Now let's introduce one of our newcomers, Ian Gertler, and Ian has selected a quote from John Quincy Adams, 16, I'm sorry, 1767, I'm making him older than he was, to 1848, American statesman, and he was the sixth president of the U.S. from 1825 to 1829, and here is the quote, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. Ian Gertler, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much for joining us. And a little secret I'm going to tell everybody is that Ian and I coincidentally happen to live, what, about uh, 20, 20 minutes away from each other here in North Carolina? Correct. We discovered that. I didn't know anybody on any of my shows was even in this part of the country, so that's good to know. Ian, tell me about this quote uh, about leadership. We're talking about AI and humanity. So how do leaders fit into this? Well, if you think about the quote and think about the areas that you spoke about in your opening, you know, people and machines need to work together. Um, If you want to be a leader, you need to enable people. And if we're enabling people, that's going to use things like IoT, AI, machine learning. But it all comes down to the people and how they leverage this to help others do more. 
So I think it's very relevant to the topic. It, it obviously is very relevant to do more. Who do you think will get to be known as leaders? Somebody who has the, somebody who created AI, the people behind that, or the actual humans who use it, who enhance their intelligence, as Ginny at IBM said. Where do, who's going to get the credit for being these wonderful new leaders? Who's going to inspire us? I think it's going to be everybody. You know, the, the opportunity for a young kid sitting you know, in his room trying to create something versus, you know, a long-term esteemed engineer that knows more from experiences. They each have different perspectives and capabilities. And the interesting part of this is that all innovation in my mind stems from one core thing, and that's Mm. curiosity. Can we make Mm. something better? Can we create this? Can we address pain points of society. So that curiosity will hopefully be enabled by these emerging technologies. Thank you very much. Said with a lot of passion. I hear that you really believe this, and I appreciate that. Thank you, Ian, for joining. And now let's go to another newcomer, Masha Kroll at Element AI. And Masha has sent us a quote from Annie Dillard, author of The Writing Life. Annie Dillard is still very much present and alive, born in 1945, American author who has published works of poetry essays, prose, and literary criticism, plus two novels and one memoir. I always get a kick out of people who publish 25 memoirs and wonder, did they do this like a journal entry every every three years or something? Never mind. Um, let me see now. The Writing Life, 1989, is a collection of short essays in which she discusses, quote, with clear eye and wry wit, how, where, and why she writes. The Boston Globe called it a kind of spiritual strunk and white, a smart and brilliant guidebook to the landscape of a writer's task. I actually have to read that. So here's the quote Masha has selected. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Masha Kroll, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, Monty. I'm doing great. Delighted. Talk to me about this. Are you a big fan, follower of Annie Dillard? I'm, I'm fascinated by what I read, and I've never heard of her before. So tell me how you picked the quote, and what does it have to do with AI and humanity? So to me, Annie Dillard is infinitely quotable, and I love this one in particular because it's such a great reflection of just a personal realization about a life well spent being, you know, nothing really more than a collection of moments. So if you're postponing moments that you could be enjoying, then, you know, I might suggest that you reconsider that. But (laughs) fundamentally, um, it's really interesting in the context of our conversation, because what are the pieces of your day that are potentially medial or tedious or plain, you know, overloaded with information and are therefore potentially better suited for machines to perform? And what are the things that we're going to free up humans to, to do? And especially with these kind of job changes that are coming in the future. We all get to ponder that fundamentally. Thank you very much. And uh, do you agree that AI is enhancing our intelligence, our lives by implication from the opening quote from Ginny? What do you think about that? Yeah, I actually really agree with that. And I I can't, as Frank said, I think it's probably inconceivable at this point to predict kind of a year that this will occur. But I believe that uh, at some point we will no longer distinguish between human and artificial intelligence. In fact, we will just combine those to advance and measure 
simply intelligence. Because even today we have uh, systems that are called human in the loop where we use hmm. sort of active learning techniques for machines to both enhance humans with that, but also let humans teach the algorithms in flight. Um, so I think we are already seeing that kind of augmentation and it'll only, in my mind, expand uh, the horizon there. Thank you. Very insightful. We appreciate it. And again, welcome to Game Changers. Looking forward to a lot more from you. And rounding out the panel is a returning guest, Maricel Kabahug, Chief Design Officer at SAP. And she has selected a quote from somebody I also did not know, Martine Alana Rothblatt, R-O-T-H-B-L-A-T-T. And you may not have heard of her. She was born in 1954, an American lawyer, author, and entrepreneur, graduated from University of California, L.A., combined with degrees in law and MBA, but what's most interesting is that she worked in D.C. first in the field of communication satellite law and eventually in life sciences projects like the Human Genome Project. She was the CEO of Geostar and the creator of, wait for it, Sirius XM Satellite Radio. That's right. She is responsible for launching several communication satellite companies, including the first private international space comm project, Pan Am Sat 1984, the first global satellite radio network, World Space 1990, and the first geostationary, I never even knew that what it was called, satellite to card broadcasting system, which we fondly know is Sirius Satellite Radio. She was also the top earning CEO in biopharmaceutical industry in 2018, and we're only halfway through the year. So my goodness, interesting. Maricel has selected this quote. The biggest mistake one can make, make is to not make a mistake. Maricel, how in the world did you find this quote from this amazing woman, Martine Rothblatt? Talk to me. Um, yes. Yeah, so I was in New York actually last week attending the Forbes um, Women's Summit. And I had the opportunity to um, to listen to Martine. She was um, interviewed um, you know, during the summit, and I was really struck by how um, by how um, you know how she lived her life. Um, did you know that um, she was actually um, born a man and and had a, a sex transplant um, in her um, you know in in, in in late in her life. Um, no. And um, and so she, and then she also switched careers, like you just mentioned, from communications and being a lawyer um, to now, um, you know, heading um, um, a company um, that actually um, is trying to, um, uh, you know, to talk about AI and and um, and all of this in our future. But you know, um, what about the human body, right? What what are we doing to actually? Um, you know, fix ourselves, you know, our, our, our health and, and so on. And, and that's what um, she is focusing on. Um, I was um, really um, very impressed when she talked about, um, you know, um, uh, organ transplant, right? So did, did you know mm-hmm. that most of the, um, of the lungs um, that, that, that um, that's donated can, can actually not be used because um, when someone dies, um, apparently fluid goes into the lungs and so on, and her company is, is fixing this um, mm. and have already made a lot of success there. And for me, um, that is very much related to what we do here uh, because we, we should not forget, you know, because we are very much in love with the future with AI, but um, let's not forget about the human um, in this future. Um, it, you know, like Frank said, it might be too early to predict how this would be, but um, let's prepare now and let's make sure that the humans um, 
actually are ready for that future, not just body-wise, but also um, our minds and our intellect. Thank you, Marcel. Fascinating. I have to look up more about her and know her profile on Wikipedia did not prominently mention that, meaning it wasn't in the in the opening couple of paragraphs. What I want to ask you before we circle around to everybody and do our little up close and personal what's in your cup today and where you're calling from segment is I mentioned in my opening that with a boost from AI, non-designers can develop all the skills I talked about. And in the future, everyone will be a designer. You are a designer, a very powerful and important one. Do you agree with that statement, Marcel? Um, I believe that every and, and this is this is what everybody's talking about that um, you know we will become more creative and we will um, be focusing on the skills that only humans can do um, because machines will be much better on the things that um, that machines are, are great at like mathematics and so on and, and so so that's why everybody goes. Um, yes, we will be more on the creative side because we're forced to. Um, but um, I would not call it designer. I would rather call it, you know, we will be, become um, more um, makers or so create things. Um, and this would then become um, maybe easier for us, um, you know, to, to do this and to, to move into that direction. Um, only because, um, well, it's a necessity, right? So if machines do all the mundane tasks, then we will become um, strategy builders, you know, um, complex decision makers, um, exception handlers. So those are the things that um, you would say um, are closer um, to the creative side or closer to the human skills that cannot, or, or human skills that cannot be um, just easily replaced by machines. Um, being a designer by profession might not be what we mean here, but rather that, um, you know, we, we are more creative and design more our future, design more things together with um, artificial intelligence, of course. Thank you very much, Marcel. I appreciate your insights. And now let's circle around to Frank Diana. Frank, I don't know how many times you've had to tell me what's in your cup today or what you love to drink. I've lost track. I think it's probably been more than a dozen times over the past few years, maybe many more. Uh, you and Grace Scott are often on my shows as a pair of, of my, my two favorite futurists. So, Frank, where are you today? You can give me a little weather update if you want briefly and tell me what makes you passionate about the future when you're drinking it. Go ahead, Frank. <laughs> I'm in my New Jersey uh, home office today, which is nice, and it's a beautiful, uh, be- beautiful outside. Uh, and I'm drinking uh, sparkling water with uh, a lemonade flavor. And there's really Ooh. no passion, just thirst. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you very much. Ian Gertler, love to know where you are, what you love to drink. And while I have you at the microphone, why don't you just give us a 60-second, 5,000-foot or whatever measurement you want overview of what your company is. You can say the name again for me so I hear it pronounced correctly and what you do there. Go ahead, Ian. Sure. Well, I'm calling from the Triangle region of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. For those that don't know, that's the Raleigh area. I'm a native New Yorker. spent most of my life there. Um, because of my native New Yorker roots, I definitely lean towards Dunkin' Donuts versus Starbucks coffee. Um, <laughs> but I do generally brew it at the house instead because I typically make it better. So I'll put a challenge out there. Um, as far as what I do, um, 
I've been working with leading companies, advising startups in marketing, communications, strategy. Um, I've done it as an advisor. I've worked full-time with, uh, full disclosure, your quote, IBM in the past. Mm-hmm. I helped launch Watson Analytics, um, worked oh. with the founders of 1-800-Flowers, um, the founder of Computer Associates. So I've been in this industry for a long time. Um, and what I think is that we've come to a point where marketing is really all about interaction. And technology is both helping and hurting that. So we'll see if AI makes it better or worse. But um, I'm going to take a sip of my coffee now. <laughs> okay. How do you take your coffee? Do you? Uh, I know Dunkin' Donut. Well, you know that I just moved here to Durham, North Carolina, and we're just a few miles away. And you're in Fuquay, Verena, which is the home of Aviator Brewery. And I was down there at one of their That's restaurants and, and retail stores just recently with the Romeo Club. You know who the Romeos are? You ever heard of it? Every city has a um, Romeo Club. I only Ian. know because you told me yesterday. <laughs> okay, it's retired old men eating out, and some people call them the Comios, cheap old men eating out. It's a group of men in my community, and wives and friends were invited, and we, we had a caravan going down there, and we had lunch at a private room at the restaurant attached to one of the retail stores of Aviator, which is a beer brewery. Uh, that's probably redundant, and they have a store right near the train tracks, a bar with all kinds of memorabilia of early airplanes from the military, and etc., and it was, it was quite a charming day, so I know where you are. Uh, do you take your coffee black, your Dunkin' Donuts? You put anything in it? No, I'm a milk and sugar guy. You know, I okay. it's how I grew up. You know, going to the deli in the morning to get an egg sandwich, you get your coffee regular, milk and sugar. <laughs> there you go. And do you have a donut with it? Come on, truth time. Um, I typically don't, and that's just because my boys are getting bigger and stronger than me, so I'm trying to catch up to them now. There you go. And I also know a little bit about Ian's uh, family because I worked with, I think it was your uncle, Uncle Brian, and Jane Gertler at one of my previous uh, places of employment. I think it might have been Nokia in New York about eight years, ten years ago. I've been here eight years. So nice to have a member of the Gertler family with us. Thank you, Ian. And now let's turn to Masha Kroll. Masha, we'd love to know a little bit about you. What is Element AI? Where are you today? And first tell me what you love to drink. Of course. So I, I have a particular taste um, in beverages that my friends like to refer to as optimizing for the gross and disgusting. Um, this is why I like uh, <laughs> things like sour beer in particular. Uh, but since we're still a little bit ahead of uh, beer o'clock here in beautiful, beautiful, sunny Montreal, mm-hmm. um, I choose kombucha, which is actually, I found out uh, fairly recently that it's a type of mushroom. So my grandmother back in Russia, where I was born and grew up until my teens, used to brew it uh, herself. So she's kind of the original hipster. That's where kombucha for me comes from. Uh, It's actually more of a taste of home more so than a current fad. Um, So that's what's in my cup. Um, I really like it uh, cut with grapefruit juice. And sometimes if you're feeling naughty, a little bit of spiced rum Um, a little bit later in the day for that, though. Well, you know what? We're an all-time slot show, so you can mention any anything you, any additives you want, and, and nobody judges. I'm looking here. Um, 
add the grapefruit juice or fruit and sugar to a 16-ounce vessel. Fill with kombucha, leaving about a quarter inch at the top. Cap tightly and culture three to seven days or until the kombucha is carbonated to your liking. That's called grapefruit kombucha. You ever heard of that? That's right. Mm-hmm. That's There's right. actually there a variation, you... and I think that's the one that you might be quoting, is called fruit bucha. So you can use fruit juice instead of uh, sweet tea to brew it. It's really just, you know, it's a little bit experimental, but you should definitely try that at home. Um, it's anything really that has sugar in it that gets the yeast fermenting. Um, and yeah, maybe I could <laughs> say a little bit about what Element AI does. We're at the headquarters in the Montreal office. We also have offices in Toronto, Singapore, London, UK, um, Seoul, and uh uh, yeah, it's all in Korea. So mm-hmm. we have quite a few offices uh, spread across the globe. We launched publicly in October of 2016, and our, our work is really with large companies and providing them with the artificial intelligence muscle to bring products and solutions to the market. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you on, Masha. And now let's go to Marcel. Marcel, where are you and what kind of a drink powers you and your work as Chief Design Officer at SAP? I am currently in Palo Alto, so this is my third or fourth time with you, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I'm in my um, um, official workplace. Um, and it's funny because I was worried. You know, I, I'm, I hope you didn't hear all the noise around me because um, I'm in a, in a uh, uh, what do you call it in a in a closed office. But um, since Palo Alto is um, is one of these. Um, open workspaces at SAP, you know, the noise is, is quite... Um, um, no noise at know, all. Quiet, quiet and lovely in the background. <laughs> you're you're just fine. Okay, so great. go ahead, tell me great. about what so you love was, to drink. Um, yeah, so I actually, um, I was in, in Japan at, um, sometime in early April, I should say, and, um, and um, I got hooked on matcha tea. Um, so I brought back a six-month supply of matcha tea, and that's what I have mm. every day now, and it's, it's really fantastic. Um, and by the way, um, I am Chief Design Officer for all of two months, so the long title is now just Chief Design Officer, so the rest is, is um, no longer me. Okay, well, I'm going to correct that in my notes, and thank you very much, and a shout-out to your colleague, Esther, who keeps me honest about your title and your picture and all that good stuff, and I appreciate that. I have to admit to all of you that Frank knows, and Marcel may remember, they don't allow me anywhere near any kind of caffeine on radio show days, but I just got a new Nespresso shipment, and I have something that is so dark. I think it's a 9 on the 1 to 10 scale, and it's loaded with caffeine. So I made a very, very short espresso about an hour ago and put a lot of foam one percent milk on top of it and blended it up and I had it about an hour ago and I'm pretty wired today so happy to be here with all my caffeine in me Frank I know that breaks the rules but you'll just have to forgive I don't think I sound any different actually so you know what we are having such a good conversation here and because we have a packed house with four panelists they're all so smart and so savvy about this topic which is AI designing the future of humanity and those of you who are not comfortable with AI and humanity in the same sentence that's what we're trying to get you to accept. We're not going to take a break. 
because we just have too much to talk about. I'm just sending that message to Aaron, our engineer. No break, no music. Put it away, Aaron. So, Frank, let's quickly find something in your list to talk about. And let me see here. Uh, let's talk about um, 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 let's talk about what's actually happening here. An artificial intelligence virtual artist called AIVA Ava was taught to compose classical music and emotional art, usually considered to be a uniquely human quality. Let's talk about some practical applications, Frank. So tell me a little bit about that, and then we'll get a quick comment from everybody around the table, and then I'll pick something from Ian's list, something from Masha's list, and something from Marisol. Go ahead, Frank. It's all, it's all tied to this conversation around the human characteristics and what makes us different from machines. And as I address this topic, as I talk around the world, one of the key things that we like to focus on is, you know, is is that a set of characteristics that are uniquely human in the long term? And so when you look at artificial intelligence and its ability to compose music and write articles for journalists, and, and I show a video of a social robot on the Jimmy Fallon show, and you, you just forget that she's a robot as she talks to Jimmy. And, and all she. those things start to point to a, a potential future <laughs> yes. where even creativity and imagination and, and empathy where a social robot is a companion for the elderly, for example, starts to yeah. be absorbed by machines. And so the question is, as you look at possible futures, is, is that notion of creativity and imagination solely the domain of humans, or in the future is that also something that machines do well? Thank you, Frank. Let's go around the table and get some reactions to this. Ian Gertler, what do you think? Do you have any other examples of AI in practical applications where we normally think it has to be a real person doing it? And I loved how Frank called Ava a she. I really appreciated that. And I kept saying she, she, she. Go ahead, Ian, comments? Any other examples you want to share? Well, I think uh, Frank hit on some very key points. Um, while areas like logic and rules and protocols and even processes can certainly be more efficient and perhaps quicker with machines. There are certain elements of life that are, you know, generally part of living things. You know, empathy, as you mentioned, compassion, and even appreciation. You know, I don't believe mm -hmm. we'll ever get to a point that a machine will truly, you know, appreciate something. It will just be part of the algorithm, even if it updates itself. So I think Frank really hit on some core points there. I, I think so. Masha, let's get your quick response to the idea of Ava, classical music. And we all know when we listen to classical music, I think as Ian just was, was alluding to, we expect to be drawn in emotionally. We expect to hear something majestic or something sad or something that makes us transport to another place and see a story in our minds. Am I right, Masha? So what do you think about AI artist, seriously, a virtual artist composing classical music? Masha? I think it's a really interesting proposition, and frankly, I'm struggling a little bit with the definitions. It's so hard to get to a point where we can say the word empathy or creativity and all mean the same thing. So I'll just give you a couple of examples that mm -hmm. actually surfaced in our work. Um, last year, we trained a, a, a neural net, which is a kind of artificial intelligence algorithm 
on street art that we found in uh, downtown Montreal. And we actually were able to apply a technique called real-time style transfer to a video feed. So you could walk in front of this thing, um, picture a camera pointed at you, and you can, you know, it's reflecting back to you, but it's being reflected in the style of the street art painting that we trained it on. And we trained it on a few samples. So you could argue that art while still created by originally a a human artist was then being applied and replicated and uh, fundamentally in new ways by this neural network. So there is that kind of fine line there where, of course, we're not claiming that the AI has become an artist in itself. Um, There is kind of, uh, you know, there's an interesting transfer there and uh, the lines get a little bit blurred. And then I guess the other point is um, where does sort of the, the the one uniquely human quality I think that we um, have now that machines certainly can't fathom currently is really intent, why we're doing the things that we're doing. So a lot of people, you know, are worried about kind of sentient robots and coming alive and mm-hmm. um, doing all those kinds of things. But we today are the ones who set up the objectives, the goals for the algorithms. So I think That's while right. we need to be really, really careful about the kinds of objectives that we select, that will for some time remain the fundamentally human piece um, of of that collaboration and will not be something that artificial intelligence can create. Thank you very much, Masha. Great insights there. Uh, Maricel Kabahug, let's get your thoughts quickly on this, and then I'm going to move on to another topic. We have so much to cover. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, um, although it might be um, almost, um, you know, it's really fascinating that um, AI can create music, but let's not forget um music is is somehow based on mathematics as well so it's mm-hmm. it's really not so so impossible that they can do this and they can do it very well um you know i think it's still too early um to really um say what can ai do and and what can ai um not do and where will um, humans excel and where will ai excel because we we have now a lot of examples where things that we thought are impossible for AI to do, they can. Um, But the point, I guess, that we um, should really look into and focus on is um, what what can we do now um, to make sure that we have, um, you know, like the title of the show, you know, that we will be part of this future, that humanity will be part of this future, uh, because right now we still have a lot of hand on creating um, these smart machines, but... um, um, as we know, the ambition for AI is that um, they um, start creating and evolving um, without human um, intervention or without uh, without human help. So um, will we be part of this future and what will that part be? And for me as a you know as, as, a, as a designer, um, that is is very important that that we um, we start thinking about that now and that we um, do, um, what is necessary um, to make sure that um, that it is an augmentation of humanity um, rather than um, what we don't want it to be. Thank you very much, Maricel. Frank, I'm not going to do the usual because we have a packed house today. Not going to come back and have you wrap that one up. I'm going to go to something in Ian Gertler's notes. And Ian, uh, I'm going to pick on two statements here and see if we can connect connect the dots, which is part of your statement. You say, 
You, I'm quoting Ian Gertler. I've been involved with the digital transformation areas. Sadly, too many hear that and think it's all about the technology and innovation. Success will be driven by connecting the dots between people first, processes, and technology to create the right enabling and rewarding experiences. That's one. And the second thing you say is we often see artificial intelligence, like most emerging technologies, used as a magic bullet for everything. So if you could tie those two together, Ian, please, for me, and talk about about connecting the dots, people, processes, and technology, and is it, in fact, a magic bullet? And then we'll run around the table and get everybody's comments. Go ahead, Ian. Well, to address the magic bullet one first, okay. you know, I think with emerging technologies, we often hear about these new capabilities, and it seems like, great, we apply this to everything, and everything is wonderful. The truth is, with every advancement, there are both pros and cons. So we need to ensure that we're thinking about both. And, you know, as we see with AI and other, diff you know, deferring technologies, you know, everybody builds it. But one of the big problems we see today is, first of all, cybersecurity has become an afterthought versus a foundational element. And as more things are connected, we need to make sure that they're protected as well because those protected environments touch people and their lives. The second part is basically, again, the idea of digital transformation. You know, connecting the dots between people, processes, technologies, and experiences. The first thing that comes to mind when people hear that is, great. We have technology. It takes care of everything. And it's like, no, no. Technology is the facilitator. It's not actually the solution. Mm -hmm. it, what, it's what it enables us as people to do. So if you think about the community that you live in, that you work in, there are so many different pieces. There's technology. There are buildings. There are parks. There are, you know, infrastructures. 5G is coming. All of these mm -hmm. different things are supposed to enable people not to take over and avoid interaction. So I think we have a little bit of a double-edged sword here. Thank you. Very well put. Masha, I'd love to get your thoughts on the double topic I asked Ian to expand on, and then we'll ask Marcel and then Frank. Go ahead, Masha. I really agree with what Ian is saying. I think the fundamental uh, point is that AI is a tool, and for Element AI, it happens to be one of the major tools in our toolbox, but we cannot forget the, uh, and I think to echo what Marcel was saying also, we cannot forget that fundamentally there are humans in the middle of all these uh, jobs and tasks and various processes within organizations that we really need to understand how their lives change and their work lives transition and their jobs change. Um, so we actually embark on fairly long-term transformations uh, with our clients so that we can help them understand what a practical but also operationally ethical framework is for implementing some of these tools within organizations uh, would be including AI as a tool. Thank you very much. Marcel, love to get your thoughts. 
Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, AI right now is a very sexy technology. And um, again, you know, just like any other um, you know, new technology, we think that it will solve everything. Um, and mm-hmm. um, so right now, it, it you know, like um, Ali Rahimi just said recently, um, right now it, it's more like um, alchemy, right? So, um, you know, it, it, it's like magic um and um the fact is um we need it to become um a science a technology um and it is technology um but right now there's so much um romance around ai that we seem to forget um that um it's still new and it's not going to solve all of our problems it of course there will be um i believe um strongly that it will be beneficial eventually but we have to make sure that it is beneficial and we have to find the right applications for ai rather than um you know have this romantic notion that it will fix everything for us and we will just become artists and um you know live an evolved life thank you very much frank diana Oh, we're really keeping the pace moving here. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Frank, thoughts on what Ian shared? And I'm ready with something from Masha to go next. Go ahead, Frank. Well, if you, if you think about AI as being just one building block in a broad canvas of emerging science and technology advancement, and that's what it is, and that these building blocks are converging, and as they converge, they amplify each other's impact. The speed and pace dynamic that we see today is caused by that. And so mm-hmm. one of the concerns I have is that we look, we look at the past and some of the hype cycles of the past and underestimate the speed at which some of this will manifest itself. And I completely agree with the notion that humans need to be thinking about this stuff and getting in front of it now. So even if AI's full potential isn't realized for 25, 30 years, the path it takes is going to be dominated by how we drive it. And so we need to be in front of it today. Frank, that almost sounded like your prediction for our crystal ball round at the end, but I know I know you'll come up with another one. Thank you very much. Future looking always, because you're a futurist. Masha, I'm looking at your notes here, and, and one thing I just want to state without getting a comment from you, and then I have something I would like you to expand. You say explainability in AI is a huge topic right now, but our ultimate goal is actually trust in AI. Let me just put that out there. I've already tweeted it. Where I'd like to go is you say, when we think of the a, of the role of AI in human work, we think of three stages. Completely manual, meaning no AI involved. Collaborative, that's human plus AI. And automated, no human involvement. So we've got one without any AI, one without any people, and one that's a combination. Can you just briefly expand on these for us, please, Masha? And then we'll get Marcel and Frank and Ian to comment. Go ahead. Yeah, so the way I like to think about sort of that framework and the downfall of any framework is trying to apply it too broadly, but I'll try to keep it kind of niched to uh, work applications in particular. But uh, the way I think about it is uh, I mentioned already that intent is something that uh, is a uniquely human quality in the sense that only we can set up kind of the objectives and the goals of the algorithms that we're trying to deploy. Um, So if you think about the manual kind of configuration, and I use configuration very broadly here, Mm -hmm. is you can think of humans doing the zero to one of any kind of task or, well, not any kind of task, of a particular set of tasks where the first time is done completely manually, configured completely manually. Then we can think of the AI application of automation uh, past kind of that 
tend to infinity uh, application of that same task or a repetition. And I think the really interesting portion is the one to 10 kind of collaborative space where I mentioned the technology of human in the loop or the approach of human in the loop where we use kind of a collaborative, uh, fundamental, literally iterative approach to have algorithms learn from human actions. And essentially, um, the way I think about the life cycle of those kinds of menial or maybe more data intensive tasks is Mm -hmm. if I can perform a task once and have an AI learn from it and then my job becomes essentially handling exceptions or being able to reset some of those goals or adjust and then the AI takes care of that, then I can spend my time thinking about the next zero to one portion that that I need to address that an AI would not be able to fathom um, or start start kind of addressing. So in my mind, the that kind of spectrum is a, an interesting one to think about and how kind of our, our work life or our business or enterprise activity falls on that spectrum is, uh, is going to become interesting. So you can think about things like, um, you know, in, in the manufacturing sector or something like predictive maintenance being a really interesting task where maybe you can engage an AI to sort of demonstrate how it's done today and then move it forward to towards total automation with just exception handling by humans. Then human operators can think about the next thing that they need to think about. Thank you. Very, very interesting. Maricel Kabahag, love to get your thoughts on what Masha just shared with us. Talk to me. Okay, so um, we already see automation and human augmentation um, in production floors and manufacturing, um, but pretty soon we'll see that um, also in administrative and office work where repetitive tasks um, will become more and more um, automated. Um, and and, it, and, and um, Marsha is absolutely right. These, these will be three areas where um, AI um, will um, augment how we work. So, um, but what we need to think about is um, what are the things that must be automated. So we, we have to um, put, um, apply some criteria here and not um, automate things that um, are simply not um, worth automating. So, for example, mm-hmm. um, can you um, imagine your your elder, elderly parents in a nursing home, for example, where um, there are no human caregivers, just machines and robots. So there's also the ethical um, um, implications of automation. Um, human in the loop, um, which is the collaboration between human and AI, and this is what um, Jeannie was talking about, um, where if humans and um, AI work together, um, a lot of um, better things can happen because um, you know humans approach um, things differently than how AI approaches um, um, problem solving. Um, And then, of course, um, where we say there's no AI involved, but um, we know that even without AI, we use technology now in our daily lives and and for so long. Now, we've all been born with technology. um, And so whether there's no AI or not, you know, most of the things we do are not purely manual anymore. Um, we rely on, on technology and machines um, to do all of these things for us. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be um, an inter- interesting journey for us. Um, but um, I'd like to touch one more 
um, touch on the on the trust aspect that Marsha also brought up, uh, because we will only um, use this technology, we will only um, trust AI if we if we build um, trust into the system, um, and um, that would be also an interesting topic um, to discuss on how to to actually do this. Thank you very much, Marcel. Great insights on that. Frank, I want to make sure you get a chance to talk about this before we jump to predictions in about two and a half minutes. Go ahead, Frank. <laughs> I think we're talking about the progression from fully yep. manual to fully automated. And I really think somewhere on that progression is where we land somewhere in the future. And as I guess I said before, it's hard to predict exactly where we land. And you and I have had the conversation around ethics several times. I really do mm-hmm. think that the ethics dialogue will ramp in the next couple of years. Um, and ethically, how people deal with the ethics question could put them at a competitive disadvantage, whether it's a nation or a company. And so it's going to be interesting to see how ethics plays out. Thank you. I know that's one of your favorite topics. And we did an open SAP uh, a MOOC about a year ago, and uh, you asked me to, to moderate a panel with you and Grace Scott and somebody else, and we did cover the idea of ethics. We need to do a whole radio show on ethics again, Frank. Remind me, please. Ian Gertler, love sure. to get your thoughts on the interesting topics that we have been discussing around the table. Go ahead, Ian. Well, I think there are two key areas that have been brought up by everyone very well. The first is the idea of automation. And I think we often look at something and put an umbrella over everything that it touches. But at the end of the day, we're really automating processes and technology, but we really should never be automating humanity. That's always supposed to be interactive. And Mm -hmm. I think we see that these days. You know, I think the majority of the people here, the majority of people listening, you know, have embraced different platforms, different communities, different social media channels. But when I see a lot of the kids today, you know, they learn from this, they get exposure, they gain awareness. But the one thing that many of them are missing is true social interaction. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we have to make sure technology and humanity adapt and feed each other as opposed to battle each other. And then the final one is trust. You know, we see trust coming up a lot today because of blockchain and the fact that you cut out the intermediaries that are abusing the system. It's actually quite funny because as we talk about can we trust AI, if you think about it and ask the average person, I think very few people trust other people most of the time. So, you know, we have to really come to a good balance and integration. You know, I think AI, while it's about intelligence, it's also about augmented interactions. Thank you very much, Ian. And you know what, Maricel, we have covered so many topics. We didn't get time to go through your list, but you added such wonderful comments to the other topics. So I'm going to start the Crystal Ball Predictions Roundtable with you, Maricel Cabahug, and then we'll circle around to Frank and Ian and end with Masha. We only have time for 60 seconds for each of you. So, Maricel, tell me what you see, AI, people, humanity, designing systems. 60 seconds is all we have. Give me your best. Go ahead, Maricel. AI is progressing very fast, and um, we we actually cannot predict um, when true AI um, will be. Um, some say fifty years, some say earlier, some say one hundred years. Um, it's accelerating very rapidly. 
um, and who knows, it might be tomorrow. But um, one thing that um, I'd like, um, that I think um, will become a differentiator for any um, technology provider or anyone working in the field of AI is digital ethics. And um, so for me, digital ethics will be um, will become a, a differentiator for uh, companies um, who um, will who are working on AI. Um, trust, like everyone already mentioned, is a currency um, that we value as people, and we will transfer uh, that currency um, as we interact with AI. Um, we will um, also demand trust, and if we don't have that, um, if we don't trust. Um, AI and the results or actions of AI, um, then just like any other technology, then it will not become mainstream. Thank you very much, Maricel. Frank, I can give you 45 seconds. We're really tight on time. Give me your best blast from the future. Go ahead, Frank Diana. Uh, I'll focus very quickly on the interaction paradigms. Uh, Ian uh, talked about it a couple times, and I think he's spot on. I do think they're going to shift again very radically. I think you're going to see AI-enabled interactions and AI actually becoming the brand like Alexa has for Amazon in, in most interactions that occur across ecosystems. Thank, well, that was brief. My goodness, Ian Gertler, 45 seconds for you. Go ahead. Masha, be ready. Go ahead, Ian. One of the things I heard a while ago was the concept that good design is in your face and great design is transparent. I think the same is true of technology. If we think about what technology can do, it's not about being an inhibitor unless we follow the path that it decides. Um, AI is very much like this. And my hope is that it's not just warehouses, retail, and other areas. I'm hoping that AI and associated technologies make a real impact on the things that matter to us, like healthcare and education. So that also brings up trust and ethics, so to be determined. Thank you very much, Masha Kroll. I have 45 seconds. That's it. Talk to me. I'll be really brief. Uh, I think that, in my mind, anyone who creates things, uh, whatever those may be, software, you know, m- uh, machine learning models, and fundamentally user experiences, is actually a designer. So I think as then mm. designers, we need to think about um, the kind of application of AI in our work, but also consider the biases uh, that we could be fundamentally embedding in those mathematical representation of our mental models and really be cautious, but take responsibility instead of shying away from making sure that those biases are in check. Thank you very much, Masha. I'm, I'm just thrilled with this panel. You all were very cooperative, having such a packed place and such great insights in AI and humanity. I feel more human for having learned from the four of you. So I'm just going to simply say thank you. Shout out to Aaron at World Talk Radio and a shout out to Shannon Lester at SAP and Jared Pelletier who put this together. Jared, you really rock. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Frank Diana at TCS, just like like Ian Gertler at Simpli- Ian, say it again. Simplegates. Simplegates. I got to learn that. Masha Kroll at Element AI and Marisol Kabak at SAP. I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, coffee, let's see, with Coffee Break with Game Changers, 11 a.m. here on the Business Channel at 2 p.m. We have the renewal season four of game, Changing the Game in HR. You don't want to miss any of those shows. Have a great day. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Conversations. Best run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.